gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Uh, you know, I do try to typically regale you with something from my exciting travels, even though there ain't no travels and damn sure ain't no whole lot of excitement um, at this point. You know, y'all doing all right? Like, I feel like that is a, um, like, omnipresent question out here. Like, you doing all right? I don't ever necessarily know the right answer to that question myself. I don't like I feel like I'm always doing all right right that's probably one of my uh detriments as a human honestly is my perpetual belief in the fact that I'm doing all right I think I'm doing all right I hope you guys are doing all right if you're not doing all right I hope you highlight some people about the fact that you're not doing all right because we all got to do what we can uh to keep ourselves you know in the right situation um I did kind of have one funny thing I suppose so it's happened um so you know I got hair now right seven years I did not have hair you know now I got hair so I had to like get some hair products I'm at the point of quarantine where I was in the shower and I was looking at my hair products and I realized that I got the shampoo for tight curls but the conditioner is for what they call kinky curls I was out here doing like two different types of curls at one time I had to fix that. And I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit too excited about the fact that I'm going to be getting some consistency in my hair maintenance now that I have two different, you know, get it right. I had to, you know, get the products on the same line. That's where I is right now, man. That's what I got. Trying to think if I got anything else uh, to offer you. Um, Actually, I do. I just have a thought. All right. These uh, COVID numbers starting to go up here in uh, New York City, right? They're going up. And I've noticed this thing's happening all over the place where, you know, people going out to dinner a lot. And I get that. And like in New York, the restaurant people, for reasons that I understand, which is that they ain't got no bread, they, they want to be in a position to open up, have more people, you know, get people inside. They're talking about it's going to be outdoor dining like 24, like no, 24 hours a day. What am I talking about? Um, you know, 12 months a year, like all the time here in New York, which like sounds good in theory until you realize, man, anybody trying to sit outside and eat in New York in February? Were you high? Like the restaurants, like once this weather, you know, gets on tilt, they got a problem, right? You know, so they're trying to get their thing set up. But in the meantime, they're doing a lot of outdoor dining and you go walk past and you see the people sitting outside dining. And, you know, the numbers and all that stuff seem to indicate that being outdoors is very helpful in terms of uh, preventing you from catching it and all that stuff. You know? Got it. However, what I see a lot of when I see people at these restaurants when I'm walking around Harlem see a lot of parties of six and I'm here to tell you guys you people at these parties of six are fucking idiots there's really no way to put it if you go in to eat at a party of six you're a moron and the reason I say that you're a moron is this Y'all are not limiting y'all's interactions with each other. 
there's a good chance that somebody you were at with this party of six is at another party of six. Like it's defeating the whole purpose of everything that you're doing. It is. And I get it, man. People want to see people. People want to see their homies. They want to catch up, right? They like, you know, people, we, we like to go out to eat, you know, with our friends, a bunch of people. All of that makes sense. Can't do it. So, like, I've seen these uh, these studies that indicate that, you know, a significant amount of spread of people that are coming down with it. One of the things that is, you know, a lot of these people are having in common is the fact that they've eaten at a restaurant. And I've seen people ask the question whether or not those studies are differentiating between people who ate inside at a restaurant and people who ate outside at a restaurant. I think that's the wrong thing to look at. I think what you got to look at is how many people were at the table when you went to the restaurant. How many people did you interact with when you went to the restaurant? Like that to me, I think is the question that you need to get the answer to is that one right there. Like that'll tell us something, but I just feel like a whole lot of people are branching out from whatever narrow circle that they're in and that they're interacting with. They're then branching this out. And everybody at the table like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to kick it with anybody else. Man, somebody else called them to kick it. They're going to go. <clears throat> and I know this. Too many people be trying to call me for varying levels of, of it kicking. And I feel like you got to be high. I ain't doing that. Are you crazy? I ain't catching this, man. All right. Anyway. Let us move on to your questions. How bad of a move do you think it was for Tory Lanez to profit off an album addressing the situation with Meg Thee Stallion? All right, so I got to be honest with you. I am aware of this Tory Lanez person by name, but I don't really know anything about him. And I have to tell you that based on what I've seen um, since I, you know, had to pay a little more attention to him than I ordinarily would. Um, have y'all seen that clip? He was on Sway in the Morning, and he was, like, freestyling, and he was sitting in a chair. And then he stood up, and he was the same height that he was in the chair. Dead ass. Like, you got to find this. Like, the dude was rapping, sitting in a chair. And I guess he was getting into it or whatever. And he stood up. He was the same height. Like, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. But the only way that that can happen is if his feet wasn't touching the ground. Like, am I wrong here? Like, somebody said the cooler with the short dude hate. 
I ain't even hating on you. I'm just asking how it's possible that you're the same height sitting down and standing. Like, that man was at a place in his life where he was like, nah, set that chair all the way up. Like, I feel like you got to have enough self-awareness to realize in that moment, dog, that you can't stand up now. Like, no, you can't stand up till the camera go off. You got to sit down in that chair before anybody realizes that you did and you don't get out that chair until the, the whole thing is moving on. Yo. That man is not tall. Man is not tall at all. Anyway, so he ain't said nothing about the allegation that he shot Megan Thee Stallion in the foot. And, hey, man, I don't really have a problem with the fact that he hasn't talked about the fact that he shot Megan Thee Stallion in the foot. I don't know if you guys have heard, but they're trying to send his little ass to jail. Like, talking to us about it is not a great way to stay out of jail. You know that, right? So, okay, yeah, you're not talking about it. All right, that's whatever. Um, It seems fairly clear to me that he shot this woman in the foot. Like, this, 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 this doesn't seem to be really in dispute. If you want to hold out for this and ride it out in a trial or whatever, I mean, you're welcome to, I suppose. But it seems pretty clear to me that that's what happened. But then my man apparently did a song about it where he got out here denying it. And yeah, I wouldn't have recommended that. That's just me. Here's what I don't have an answer for, though. When you ask how bad of a move was it, I think it was a bad move, but I'm not talking about strategy. I'm talking about decency. Like, especially if he's lying, that just seemed to be a terrible thing to do. Like, I don't care about what he stood to gain from it or anything else. I'm just talking about, like, from a basic standpoint of humanity. Like, that seemed to be a terrible thing to do if he's out here lying about it, and it appears that he's out here lying about it. Right? There's that. But, like, will it affect his career? I mean, it might. I can't say for certain that it will. I mean, again, it might. But I can't promise you that it will. I don't have that faith. I don't have that much faith in these dudes. Like, I don't know how much of this Tory Lanez dude, like, how much of his fan base is women and how important they are to, like, pushing his product. Because if women are an important part of his product, then, no, this is going to be an issue. This is going to be a thing. But I don't have an answer for that, and I got no faith in dudes on this sort of thing. But no, that seemed like a really like foul thing for him to do. It really did. I'm going to shift to a completely different thought. Okay? Completely different thought to a related topic. I want to make sure you understand. Period. Hit enter twice. We're going to a new paragraph. She's like, what, seven, eight inches taller than him? You little dudes in the chat room talking about I'm out here hating on short dudes. No, no, no. Um, I mean, I have to say, I wouldn't have seen that coming myself. Somebody says she's 6'1". Nah, I've, I've, I've been in a room with her. I don't think she's 6'1". 
And if she's 6'1", she is more than eight inches taller than him. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Why is everybody freaking out about the debate when we all expected this? So I watched the debate last night. I don't think I'm going to watch another one, but I did. Well, I watched Kamala Harris and Pence because, I mean, there's a lot that could be. I will check that out. But um, question was, why were people freaking out about the debate when we knew that was what it was going to be? I think we knew what it could be. But uh, I don't. I didn't go into that, um, expecting it to go the way it did. Like there was a great potential for a train wreck, but I think that there's a particular quality to that that I have a difficulty explaining that a lot of us did not see coming. But I think that a lot of the reaction to the debate ties into a fairly obvious point, but a noteworthy one nonetheless about the fact that these things aren't existing in a, ba- in a vacuum. And when I say that they're not existing in a vacuum, where I'm going on this is, I do think that there was a time when, um, there was a time where something like that, we could have just gotten on and laughed about it. Right. Like I will say when Trump hit Biden with no, you're on number two. That was hilarious. Whoo. That was hilarious. He's like, no, 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 you're on number two. Right. It was dirty poo. But I ain't gonna pretend as though that was not funny. All right. And there was a time where we could have appreciated the hilarity of it. Look, you can like the things that when when this election was going on in 2016 with Trump, like when those debates went on. I was still able to find the humor in the just sheer audacity of what he was doing, right? I could still do it. I could. I don't think that people have the emotional bandwidth right now or in a position right now to take humor in any of this stuff. Like, it's just not funny in this moment. It's not. And so, like, I found myself as I was watching that debate, I found it to be stressful. Like, I think that might have been the, the, the best description of it. Like, one, I was looking at the way that they were, like, the way Trump was talking over here and the way that Biden was dealing with it. And I'm like, yo, man, you only got to put up with that with somebody you're sleeping with. You know? And so, like, as it went, I just couldn't. There was nothing that I could take from it. Like, I'm not watching it to try to decide who I'm going to vote for. I'm pretty sure I know what direction I'm going in there. There was no new information that I was looking for. I don't like to think of the idea that I tuned in, tuned in to it purely for the spectacle. But there's an argument there, you know? But it just wasn't fun. And it, since it wasn't fun... And there was never really a chance that it was going to provide, like, anything enriching. It just felt bad. Like, I think that is probably the way it hit people. It just didn't feel good. 
You know, and given how dire things are on a macro level and the significance of this election, even if you went into it knowing that it would be to a degree a waste of time, I don't think people went into it expecting it to just simply feel bad. And that shit was like 90 minutes. Like, I, mean, it's, I mean, it went over the time. And again, it just didn't feel good. There was no way, like, even if you, like, even if you felt like your candidate did the best, you couldn't walk away from it feeling like this is going to make your candidate more attractive to voters. Like, I don't think that's how it worked out for either, either side on that. I think that you can make an argument that the other side looked bad, and I think that Trump came off looking worse than Biden did, right? And so maybe that's the way that you get a win out of it if you're Biden. But otherwise, man, no, it just didn't feel good. And I think that that's probably the most appropriate way to describe this, and I think that's the description that probably a lot of people have in common with me about it. It's just, yo, man, it just didn't feel good. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Would you be as cautious about COVID in the small Texas town you're from as you are in New York City? First of all, the small Texas town I'm from is called Houston. I went to school in a town that was small. The small town I'm from is called Houston. And yes, I would be doing it the same goddamn way, fucking idiot, Kyle. Why wouldn't I be approaching it the same way? The difference between New York and those other places is, though, there I would have a car so I could be more mobile because I would not have to interact with so many people in order to go places. My caution is really not dictated by geography. It's by common sense. You fucking idiots, stay inside. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. How did the moderator end up catching smoke from everybody when he's the actual victim? Well, I mean, I think that there's some legitimate room to criticize uh, Chris Wallace. And, okay, so here's, this is, I've been on, like, a television train wreck before. Like, I've been there. I've never been in a position where I was moderating the train wreck. But I've been in a television train wreck before. And I understand where people are like, yo, I need Wallace to push back and do some fact checking here. Problem is, how would anything get done? Like the idea, this is the way to look at this idea of fact checking and how Trump kind of blows it. All right. The job of a janitor is not to clean up after you. Right? Janitor's job is to maintain the building, but not to clean up after you. You see what I mean? Like, the janitor's job is to mop the floor. The janitor's job isn't really to come in because you pissed on the floor and then clean that up in the middle of the day. You see what I mean? Like, the janitor is there to maintain things. The moderator is not there to call bullshit every question. That's not the gig. 
Like, it's literally an impossible thing to do. Now, I think that it didn't help Wallace that he works for Fox News. So since he works for Fox News, people are going to walk in with the idea that he is going to be more generous toward Trump. And in fact, on things, matters of like what was truth and what was not, you can make an argument. Like, I'd see why some people might make that argument with Wallace based on some of the things he said in that debate. I totally get it. But I'm just telling you. There isn't a human being on earth that could have kept that under control because there's nothing you can do to make Trump act right. Like the thing that Trump has figured out and where Trump has blown the box is there's just a whole lot of stuff in this world, just norms, right? Like, yo, you can't do that. Why not? Because you can't. Like the answer is that simple. You can't do that because you can't. And often with people, in fact, the significant majority of the time, once you make that clear, they're like, all right, I guess those are the rules. Yo, Trump doesn't operate like that, right? So it's like, yo, Trump, man, you can't be talking over the man while he's going. Why not? Because you can't. Well, I dare you to stop me. And then what do you do? Like, what's Wallace going to do? Like, man, I'm just asking. Like, everybody who said that Wallace let that thing get off the rails, I'm with you. I'm just, I haven't heard a single person offer a productive solution for how to bring it back around. I don't know what possibly could have been done. And so that's why I look at it like, nah, man, Trump ran over him too. There was nothing else. Like, you know, and people are like, well, he cut his mic. Fool, he's the moderator. He's not the sound man. Like, like, like do you think, who do you, do you think reality was moderating this, this thing, this debate? Right, what do you think, you just had a mute button? Like, you can't be this stupid. Like, one of the amazing things that I say that has happened with this internet era is, and maybe it's not that the internet is making this happen as much as the internet is making people who say these things more available, but everybody swear up and down that they had it. And just making shit up that doesn't even exist. Well, what should Chris Wallace have done? He should have cut his microphone off. What, he should have walked up there with some scissors and cut a wire? Like, what are you talking about? And by the way, even if he had done that, you would have been picking Trump up over Biden's microphone because Trump still would have been talking. Like I'm just telling you, there wasn't a solution to this. Like in spite of legitimate criticisms to be made about the way that Wallace handled the debate, which is going to be the case no matter who the moderator is, if your thing is he couldn't stop Trump from getting off the rails, that wasn't an option for anybody, anybody at all. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Do you have beef with the University of Georgia? That question is asked by somebody named Hunter. And Hunter, I want to tell you what I can tell from here just by you asking that question. You, son, are a dork. Like a real live, full-on dork. Do you have beef with the University of Georgia? Yeah, me and my homies is going to ride on the University of Georgia because we got beef. What are you talking about? My God, what a herb. Besides last night, when was the last time you wanted a commercial so bad? I will tell you exactly the last time I wanted a commercial so bad. Super Bowl... 53, Patriots and the Rams. 
was that game boring to you on television? Because it was boring as hell at the stadium. And I think I told you, because I was there with Pablo, and we were behind these two Patriots fans. And I swear, for God, man, they spent all that money on them tickets just to be miserable. Like, they couldn't even sit down. They were so tense. They were so nervous. They were just standing the whole time, arms folded, like all this stuff. And every time the Patriots had the ball, they was just standing up. I ain't see a single single thing they did. Halfway through the fourth quarter, they're like, oh, yeah, um, I forget what he said, but something to the effect of, yeah, um, you know, you know, stand up a lot during the game. I was like, it's more than a lot, homie. More than a lot. Oh, my God, it was so boring. And at one point, Pablo looked over at me and was like, you know what would be great right now? Commercials. And he was 100% correct. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see if we got anything else here. How plausible is it that The Rock's public endorsement of Biden is based on some type of research instead of genuine feelings? I don't believe that his team would go forward with this without knowing something and weighing the pros and cons. Wow. Number one, what like a miserable question to ask. Number two, why do you think they would research it and then decide what the statement would be as opposed to this is how I feel now research it and see if it'll go over okay because doesn't the second part sound a lot more plausible much 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 more plausible in fact your question is stupid and the reason your question is stupid is we are still at a point where the majority of white people in this country are going to vote for Donald Trump. And in truth, The Rock, while he's able to sell what he got to everybody, he's still primarily selling this stuff to white people. The majority of white people are not on board with this anti-Trump thing. All right? The research would then say, don't say anything at all. If that's the way he's doing it. Because you know how many new fans The Rock is picking up by making an endorsement in either direction in the presidential race? Zero. Zero. There ain't a single person in the world that was like, well, you know, now that The Rock has endorsed Joe Biden, I think I might go to Blockbuster and watch The Scorpion King. Like, that's not going to happen. That's not it. Come on, man. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. You said on the right time that you watched The Social Dilemma. Does watching that frighten you or depress you more? Um. So... I watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. I recommend you check it out. Um, it is pretty frightening. I don't know if depressed is the term that I would use, but the thing that got me about it in watching it was there's a level to the manipulation that I 
and a lot of these things that I just didn't know. So there are a couple things to keep in mind about me as I discuss what I picked up from the social dilemma. Um, number one, and okay, number one, oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, let me get back to where I'm going. Look. Oh, yeah, these are two things. One, I do not use Facebook. And at no point in my time, and I have a Facebook page and we do stuff like for the operation on Facebook, but I as a person do not use Facebook. Um, And number two, I have never had a lot of notifications running on my phone. Now, both of those things are a function of the fact that I am a public figure. Right? Like notifications for a bunch of that stuff. I could never do that. Like, like notifications for email. I get too much fucking email, man. Like I'm checking it myself already. You know, like I don't need somebody to do that, but I don't get a lot of those notifications. It was very interesting in, to see them in there. Talk about, uh, the way those notifications come through. And it's based on so much data that they have about you and how manipulative it is and the images they know that put you in a good mood or put you in a bad mood and all of that stuff. Like, that was a lot, right? I wasn't expecting all of that. But the part about, like, Facebook is I don't get news from Facebook. And the idea, like, I have a much better understanding now of how it is that people wind up in these wormholes with this stuff. And, like, the point they made there is just like, yo, all this information is out there. And they're like, yeah, but these people aren't getting that information. That's it. But the whole idea, and it makes sense, but you just don't think about it in these terms, but the idea that all this digital stuff is designed to get you addicted to it, that's like, once you start thinking about it in those terms, like I need to give me one of the books about detoxing off all of this stuff. Just kind of how, because that was an addiction, man. Like, think about this. How do we kill time before this? Before we had these phones and all this stuff. Um... How did we kill time? Like a real inflection point in my life. I can remember this is the day that I learned that wireless internet existed. Because then I always had a way to kill time. You know, what did we do to kill time before that? And people are like, books? I mean, I didn't really read books like that. Like TV, somewhat. You know, I guess video games, yeah, it'd be some of those things. But, like, think about how many things in your life have not even been crowded out, but, like, the phone just kind of takes up the space. And I thought the documentary did a good job of putting into some terms that I could understand how it is that this wound up happening, you know, and why these people are the ones who do it. But the one thing in there that I did not know, and that was wild to me, is the idea of Google filling in your searches with different answers for different people. Like, they did the one with, like, coronavirus. And they'd be like, yo, you can put it in, like, coronavirus is, and then whatever comes up. And some people, it comes up as coronavirus is, right, so for me, I put in coronavirus A, and my searches are coronavirus is airborne, coronavirus is a vascular disease, coronavirus is an RNA virus, coronavirus is airborne or not but what that doc was showing that some people put that thing in there you put in coronavirus is a and the next word is a hoax that was what was wild to me 
is that once people start down these rabbit holes, their searches are keeping them there because their data is telling them that this is what keeps people around. It's all about feeding the addiction. And yo, man, that's a problem because ain't so many people going to be aware that that's what's happening. And so, so much of what happened with the internet was it was presented to us before we really gave some thought as to why somebody would present it to us in the first place. And then the thought was, oh, okay, well, they'll sell ads, right? They just want you to come on here and they want you to, you know, so they can sell ads. Nah, man, it's a lot deeper than rap. It's a lot deeper than rap. And we need to be careful, man. Like, I don't know what this world going to look like in 20 years, especially after you have a generation that has only known these phones. What movie was that? Oh, no, it wasn't a movie. It was, what was it? Was it Black Mirror, the episode where people are just rating each other on the phones and that shit was like really spooky? Nah, man, that's what life about to be, man. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. What do you think about King Combs paying for a $1,000 lineup at a barbershop? So this is one of Puffy's kids, and he paid $1,000 for a lineup. All praise is due to that barber. He found a mark. Because it's not like that dude charges $1,000 for lineups. He wouldn't be giving anybody no haircut. He found the one person dumb enough to pay $1,000 for a lineup. You know what this tells me? And maybe you guys let me know if I'm wrong here, okay? Because I don't think I am. But you guys let me know if I'm wrong here. All I hear there is that Puffy has failed. And... I don't know what I would do if I was filthy stinking rich because I'm not filthy stinking rich. I ain't got no bread like Puffy has. But when I was growing up, I was always aware that however much money my parents had or did not have, that money was not mine. Like, I knew that. That was not my money. Why is he giving these kids all this damn money? What do they need that money for? How about y'all go out here and get jobs? Look, this is the bottom line on this, and I understand where people come from, and a lot of people who feel like they, they grew up hard, and so they don't want their kids to grow up hard. And I did not grow up hard. So there's a level of that that I probably can't relate to. I totally get it. But my dad did kind of grow up hard. My mom, not so much hard. But, you know, we grew, I grew up in a different class situation than they did. But, like, my dad was always about helping making things more comfortable. But never about making them easy. You understand what I'm saying? And so... My kid ain't got no thousand dollars to get no lineup, man. It ain't about to be that. 
Because if there's anything I've learned in this world, and this is important and this is real, if there's anything I've learned in this world, people ain't happy about the stuff that's given to them. Can't take no pride in nothing that you didn't earn. You just can't. And you know what you wind up doing with your bread when you don't feel it, when you didn't earn it in that way? Spend $1,000 on a lineup. That's what you do. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see if we can get one or two more of these, if there are one or two more that I want to answer. Where does Jeezy get in his own daytime talk show rate on the Welcome to 2020 scale? Yeah, I saw that. Jeezy's getting a talk show. I just want to know what kind of topics they're going to have. Like what, like I'm trying, you know, what they going to be talking about? Because I just don't see Jeezy as the empathetic type. And I feel like empathy is a significant part of that job. Like, am I wrong here? Like, can you imagine somebody being on stage, like being on the set crying about whatever happened to him? And then Jeezy coming to hug him and tell him everything's going to be okay? Because I myself have a difficult time seeing that. I just. Although, of course, you know, corny joke on the way. I can't imagine somebody saying something that Jeezy liked on the stage and then him, that's right. Like, if he just starts doing ad-libs in the middle of people talking, yeah, I'd watch that. I'd be down. Appreciate the question. But hey, man, ladies and gentlemen, NBA Finals about to start. Thanks so much for joining here on The Evening Jones. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. Um, talk to you guys, you know, probably next week. Try to do this once a week, something like that. Anyway, holla at you.